Okay, my time is flying by, so let's get into our new series. We're going to get into the Word of God, just very, very um, short passage we're going to read together in a moment. But um, we're going to begin our new preaching series, which we're calling One New Family. And um, we're going to be working through the letter of Ephesians. Now you're thinking to yourself, my word, we've just done Colossians. So why Ephesians? Well, we just feel that it's a continuation. In fact, if you, if you know anything about the history of Colossians and Ephesians, they were kind of penned around the same time, Paul being in prison. And, um, and so actually they flow on quite naturally one from the other. And um, we're going to be looking through the letter of Ephesians at the purposes of God for his church. Back in the spring, um, as an eldership team, we, we felt the Holy Spirit speak to us about refocusing and interpreting the vision that God has given us as All Nations Church, actually to do that for a new generation. And um, to summarize our vision, which I tried to do a little bit last week, our vision is that we are a diverse family going and growing for the glory of God in Bedford and beyond. And and last week I, I began to unpack a little bit of that in a very general big picture outline. But what we want to do over this next season is to just pick up those different bits, and again, from the Word of God, to show and let let the Word of God bring us into our destiny as the church. And so we're going to be focusing in this this first bit on being a diverse family, what, what that looks like. And we're going to use Paul's letter to the Ephesians to help us do that. And I want to say to you about the book of Ephesians. It is the most amazing letter. I really, really want to say to you, take time. I would say, why don't you almost make it a pledge right now that you're going to read through that letter every week, okay? So this week, you're going to read through that letter, and and, and you can do it in one sitting. I did it yesterday. I sat down, and I thought, I'm going to read this out loud, and it took me just over about 10 minutes, And I want to encourage you to do that every week. Why don't you get different translations of the Bible and read through it every week? Because I believe as you do that, even that, even that will start to change who you are. So I want to encourage you just to do that. But I really believe that as we look at being a diverse family, we'll see that this is about being a new Holy Spirit-filled family. It's about a family that's created out of the victory of Jesus Christ's death and resurrection. It is about God opening up a way for us to believe and come close to him. And as a result of that, to find their place in the family that is his church. And one of the things that I'm aware of is that we live in a society that is very individualistic and we come even to church on a Sunday morning and and probably the question that we often ask maybe during or at the end or even before is what am I going to get out of it this morning what's in it for me whereas actually we were meant not just to be in as individuals but we were meant to be in as a family and it's about what are our purposes together. What is it that God has for us 
as this brand new people, this brand new family, this brand new diverse community that's called the church. And that, I hope, will begin to see uh, unfolded for us from this letter to the Ephesians. So, let's read those first two verses. Just going to read two verses today from chapter 1. So if you've got your Bibles and you want to follow, then do. Otherwise, it will be on the screen. So, what does Paul write? Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to God's holy people in Ephesus, or in some of the translations, to the saints in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit, welcome. Come and breathe. Life. You wrote this. Inspired men carried them along. Lord, inspire us and change us. Amen. Amen. You know, as we think about this story of Paul and the Ephesians, we recognize that it came out of a mighty move of the Holy Spirit for both of them. Paul and the church at Ephesus came to know him because the Holy Spirit broke into their lives and to their world and changed it all around for them. Ephesians points us to a God whose eternal plans are about calling people to himself and then establishing churches that will represent him on this planet. And, by, and in the midst of that, bringing him lots of glory. And, and Paul, he's probably in prison in Rome when he's writing this in this letter, maybe about AD 60. And he's writing to, to strengthen all the many churches that in probably about 11 or 12 years, he has either established himself or others as a result of his ministry have established. He has been powerfully, powerfully used of God through the power of the Holy Spirit to literally change the world of his day upside down. Amazing. And it's a move of the Holy Spirit on him personally to begin with. Paul introduces himself by his, I suppose, his nickname or his, his Roman name, Paul. Because Paul wasn't his Hebrew name. His name was Saul. Saul of Tarsus, he was often known. And he introduces him by his name as an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. And what he's saying is, I've changed. What he's saying is, I was once Saul, but now I'm Paul. By the grace of God and by the will of Jesus Christ. This wasn't my idea. <laughs> this was Jesus changing my world. And what we recognize, and you might not know, many of you will probably, that Saul hated Jesus. Saul persecuted the followers of Jesus. In fact, he at least approved of the death of many of them. And he may even himself have been involved in killing Christians. This is a man 
who's got a history. And yet, through the power of the Holy Spirit and through the grace of God, he's been shown amazing grace. The Spirit of the Lord has broken into his life. We know his conversion. You can read about it in Acts chapter 9. He's walking on the Damascus Road with letters to go and imprison more Christians, put them in jail, maybe even have them killed. And guess what? Jesus stops him in his tracks. Meets him right in the middle of his mission. And turns his life around. And he's given a brand new identity. And he's given a brand new purpose. So when he writes Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, he knows what he's talking about. He has been totally changed by the will and the purpose of God. I want to tell you, church, that is the purpose that he has for you as well. He doesn't want you just to drift through life. He doesn't want you to be in a place where you're away from him. He wants to turn you around. And he wants to give you a brand new identity. And he wants you to be filled with his power and his calling. You see, an apostle, in this sense, is is used in different ways because it is a technical term. No one will be an apostle like Paul in that sense because he was uniquely called by God and he was given authority to write the words of Scripture. We're not going to get to do that. We're not going to write Scripture because... God in his grace has closed the canon of scripture. But in another sense, an apostle just means someone who's sent. Sent by God. And in that sense, we are all apostolic. Because we are sent in the power of the Holy Spirit wherever it is that God calls us. And so we can identify with this dear brother. Paul is called in the power and authority of Jesus to call all people, but especially the Gentiles, those who are non-Jews, to faith and obedience. That was his calling. He's been given authority to do that. But you know, we're also given authority and calling to call people to the obedience and faith in Jesus Christ. You, me, we're called to do this. And Paul is saying, I'm Paul, and I'm not going to get in the way of Jesus. I'm going to actually put myself before him as an obedient servant. Because Paul, I don't know whether you know this, but Paul probably means small. It means little. And um, I don't know whether that was a nickname for him, or it was a name he took because he just wanted to emphasize something. Paul would often say, you know, I'm the least because I persecuted Christ and I, I, I persecuted the church. And he was saying, do you know what? I am so not going to get in the way. I'm going to let Jesus be glorified in me. But, you know, this is, the, this is the truth. As Paul let himself be used of God, God raises him up and makes him the most amazing man of God. He might be Paul little, but in the purposes of God, he's big. And and there's something about this church, about if we humble ourselves under what Jesus wants for us, he'll lift us up. You know, I know many out there are looking for a sense of purpose and identity. I hear people say, what's in it 
What, what am I about? What, what's in it for me? Where am, I, where am I meant to be? Well, let me tell you, you're meant to be a follower of Jesus and you're meant to be submitting your life to his purposes so that he can lift you up into all that he has for you. Actually, it's not about you at all. It's all about him. And that's what Paul understood. And it's all by the will of God. We're going to learn a lot more about this because it goes on a bit later on in the letter to talk, talk about being chosen before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. The will of God says that this isn't just a random or a spontaneous thing that God does. This is ultimately something that God in his great eternity, which we can't understand, thought and chose and planned for people like you and me to be caught up in his eternal purposes. And even before God said, let there be light, we were on his agenda and he called us to be part of his eternal plans. You need to know that you are not a random accident. You are not whether your parents wanted you or didn't want you. Whether you happen to get yourself into a place that you don't understand. All the circumstances of your life, I want to say to you, beyond that, there is a bigger purpose for your life that is found in Jesus. And he chose you. And he has determined the times and the places where you are right now because his will for your life is that you would find him. That is amazing, isn't it? And so I want to see that Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, might sound a bit of a title. It's our identity in Christ. And it's how God changes us. But Paul is no superman. I know we think of him and think, wow, how can I ever be like the Apostle Paul? Well, I'll tell you how you can be like the Apostle Paul. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. And let Jesus lead you through that into everything that he has. Because Paul didn't do this in his own strength. He did this through the power of the Holy Spirit. And, you know, I'd encourage you to read Acts chapter 9 because you can read all about how he got converted. How Ananias, one of the followers of Christ, was sent to Paul. And it says that I want you to go to, to Paul and lay hands on him. I want you to tell him that he belongs. I want you to pray for him that he be healed. And I want you to let him be filled with the Holy Spirit. And we read that Ananias says, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus has sent me that you might see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And from that moment on, Paul is baptised he gets up, gains his strength, and immediately he's preaching in synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. Wow. I really believe that God is able to do that with your life, to turn you around, to turn you around with such, such power. Well, that's Paul. What about the Ephesian church? <laughs> it says, the church in Ephesus came into being by the powerful working of the Holy Spirit. Paul, if you remember, had wanted to go into the area of Asia where Ephesus is. And in Acts chapter 16, it says the Holy Spirit stopped him. He wanted to go into Asia, but the Holy Spirit prevented him from doing it. See, God was overseeing, even here, because Asia was where Ephesus was. And instead, he went to Philippi. You might remember, man of Macedonia, come over here. But later on, 
He visits, he visits Ephesus with Aquila and Priscilla and uh, does a little bit of teaching in the synagogue there and then says, I may come back. I don't know. By the will of God, I will. And guess what? It was the will of God because he comes back. And we read in Acts chapter 19 that when he comes back, he meets this ragtag bunch of disciples who hadn't heard fully about the gospel, but they had something of an understanding of repentance, of turning towards God. And Paul says, no, 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 you need to know Jesus. In fact, the question he asks is, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? That's the question he asked. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And he goes on to correct their defective understanding. He prays for them after they've been baptized, and they're powerfully filled with the Holy Spirit. And guess what? As a result of that, the Holy Spirit seems to release a move in that city of Ephesus because Paul goes to the synagogue. Again, people come alive. After three months, opposition. And then he has to go to the hall of Tyrannus and he speaks for two years about Jesus. And guess what it says? Everybody, all in the province of Asia and all through that area in Ephesus heard the word of the Lord. Wow. Two years. That's what I call revival. That's what I call a move of the Holy Spirit because we also read that Paul then got on and started to do some incredible miracles. Unusual miracles, one translation says. Extraordinary, another translation says. And it's this thing where aprons and handkerchiefs that just touched him were taken to the sick and they got healed. And people who were captive by demonic forces or by evil spirits, were set free. This is quite heady stuff. This is the Holy Spirit at work. There's that incredible story of the seven sons of Sceva, who were exorcists, and they tried to cast out demons by the Jesus that Paul knew. And because they didn't know Jesus, guess what? The guy who had the demon literally beats them up. They are, they are beaten up and they are blooded and bruised and sent out naked. But you know what? What it says is that the name of the Lord Jesus was held in renown in that city. And in fact, it had such an effect that all those who were pagan worshippers, Ephesus was the, the centre of the worship of the goddess Artemis or Diana. It said that Many, many people came and brought their magic books and burnt them publicly because Jesus was held high and had changed their life. That's revival, church. That's revival. And I, I just want to share that because I think that's the context. And we're going through a book that's birthed in the context of a church knowing revival. And I really believe this is so important for us. So important for us to grab hold of this. To the saints in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. Let me just say something about saints. In the Bibles, it's sometimes the holy ones, God's people. You know, saints, or hagioi in the Greek, is the, is the term that is most frequently used of Christians in the New Testament. It literally means those set apart the holy ones, those 
anointed, if you like, set apart by God for his purpose. And it's something of the identity of God's people. And what Paul's reminding the Ephesians is that they have, by the power of Jesus, not only been declared holy, but they've been made holy because of the work of Jesus Christ. I really want us to get free from some of the teachings about saints that I know, if you've come from a Catholic background, you'll struggle with this. Because you see, a saint in the Catholic Church is somebody very different. Somebody that has done great things, done at least three amazing miracles. Someone who then has to be voted upon to see whether they make it into the canon. If you've come from that background, I want to say I'm sorry that you've, you've, you've had to understand it that way because actually that's not what the Bible says about saints. We're all saints when we come to Jesus. Okay, you need to understand that you're a holy one. You need to understand that you have been set apart by the grace of God to actually declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness. You are a holy one not because you're good, but because he's good. Holiness ultimately has nothing in the end about your, your kind of attributes, what you have. It's all about what he is and what he gives to you. Now, there is an overflow from this. I'll come to that in a moment. But I want you to understand that you are a holy one of Jesus if you have believed and put your trust in him because he goes on to say the faithful in Christ Jesus in other words the ones who have put their faith into Jesus or have trusted Jesus the moment that you believe what Jesus has done for you the moment that you have allowed him to be the one who saves you you are a holy one you have been set free from your sin. You have been given a brand new start. You are a new creation. And you therefore have a new status and a new authority. And you are holy because you are in Christ Jesus. Now, why am I emphasizing that? Because who you are then determines how you live. Holiness is something that you get in Christ, but then it overflows in the way that you live. And I want us to recognize that this is a season where the Holy Spirit is, I think, stirring up a fresh understanding of the holiness of God. I think we have played fast and loose with these things in the past. Do you know, the grace of God is an amazing, amazing, wonderful thing. Paul talks about grace and peace. He talks about grace, which is the undeserved favour of Jesus towards undeserving people. It is his free blessing, his free gift of forgiveness that cost him everything. It is the free love that he bestows upon us, but sacrificially given in such amazing ways. 
And sometimes, because grace is free, we can treat it very casually. On one level, it's amazing that we can grab hold of it and say, yes, I'm under grace. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I am so glad I'm under grace. But that does not excuse me then from living out what I've been called to be as a holy one of God. And so I want to say to you right now, you are a holy one and you might be struggling with all sorts of things. And I, I, I guess that through this side of glory, all the way through until Jesus comes back again, there'll be things that we will struggle and learn about. But day by day, we'll get stronger. We'll be changed from one degree of glory into another. Actually, that still doesn't stop us being holy in the sight of Jesus. Hallelujah. But there is a working out of what Christ has worked in. And I want to encourage us this morning as the Holy Spirit is working in us to let him do that refining work in our hearts. And as we shall see a little bit later on in the book of Ephesians, we're to put off things that were once our old life and we're to put on things which are now our new life. And I want to just put out there as we we come into land because we are running out of time. I want to put out there that I really feel in this season that there are things that the Holy Spirit is bringing his conviction on in your life. Not his condemnation, but his conviction. That you as individuals need to let him help you get sorted in your life. Those of you who, in whatever relationship you're in, you know that you're not honouring Jesus, whether it's sexually, whether it's in terms of financial things that you're linked into. For some of you, it's in the attitudes of your heart. It's in the way that you treat other people, the way that you think about them. It's in the way that you use your words. Some of you are very casual with your words. Some of us are a little bit too free with the language that we use, which we know doesn't bring glory to Jesus. I, I want to say this. It's great that you come and praise God here on a Sunday, but then outside the building, you curse and you actually use words that you would not use when you're in the, the, presence, like, the presence of God's people here. Jesus doesn't condemn you, but he brings a conviction of wanting to change and be different. For some of you, you play fast and loose, even with the way that you speak about other people. Actually, we'll, we'll read a little bit later on. Paul talks about unwholesome talk. Talks about tearing people down rather than building people up. Even talks about, in our anger, not sinning. And as we step into this season as the people of God... I want you to understand that you are declared holy so that you can live holy. And I want to give, as we just land this message, and I haven't finished, there's so much more I could have said and was going to say, but that's okay because we'll pick up some of these themes as we go through the feast. I just want to give us some moments now to let the Holy Spirit just bring his conviction. So I want you to stand up if you're able to.
I just want to give in this moment right now the Holy Spirit opportunity to do what he does best, which is to bring us to Jesus. And I, I just want to ask anybody here today who knows that they are not a believer. They're not a saint because they haven't put their trust in Jesus Christ. I want to let the Holy Spirit speak to you right now and invite you, invite you to get changed this morning. Actually, as he spoke to Paul on that Damascus road, he speaks to you and he says, I'm Jesus and I want you to follow me. And if that's you this morning, I want to encourage you to say, Lord, I'm here. Lord, I understand that you are God and I'm not. And Jesus would remind you, I've died and rose again so that you can come close. I've paid the bill for your sin. You can come close if you believe. You can have this. And if that's you right now, I just want to encourage you. You can come, as it were, from being Saul to Paul right now in this moment. And I want to invite you to do that. Some of you this morning, you realise, as we've been talking about being saints, as we've been talking about holiness, the Holy Spirit has just been shining things into your, into your life right now that you need to respond to. And I just want to give a moment where we can say, Lord Jesus, I'm so sorry for living that way. I'm so sorry for the way I've worked my life out. My lifestyle has not honoured you. Let his holiness declared over you now release you into godly living. Lord Jesus, we repent of anything, anything that would quench your spirit amongst us, that would grieve you, would grieve you moving powerfully in this season. And we're sorry because actually my actions have implications for the church. We're sorry, Lord. Genuinely sorry. We repent. We repent. Just want to give you into that place the words of life, which are grace and peace to you. That when we repent, he is faithful and just. He forgives us. He cleanses us and he brings us back into a place of wholeness and he declares grace and peace over you. And if you're in that place this morning, we want to, we want to continue to bless you and pray for you, help you, take steps forward. And so I want to encourage you that if you know you need help in walking the walk, I want to encourage you to come and talk to us. I want to pray with you. I want to release you into the freedom that is yours through following Jesus. So Father, right now, 
release your Holy Spirit upon your people again. And just as we've heard about how that amazing church in Ephesus changed, changed the area, changed the atmosphere, I pray, let revival loose into our congregation and the congregations across Bedford and stir up a fire that would change our nation, Lord Jesus. We pray, Lord, for an outpouring of your spirit in this day that would shake the nations and start it in us, we pray, Lord Jesus. Start it in us, even today. In Jesus' mighty name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.